Welcome to the Coppreneur Path Podcast. Welcome to the show that is all about the path from cop to coppreneur. I'm your host, Adam Wills. With this podcast, I am going to help equip you for your own post-law enforcement entrepreneurial journey with lessons learned from my experience growing a successful post-Leo business. You'll also get to hear from fellow coppreneurs and experts in business and marketing whose advice will give you an edge against the competition. You are in the right place. So let's get after it. Welcome to another episode of the Coppernewer Path podcast brought to you by leo to ceocom I'm here with co-host Austin Molsick. What's up, Austin? Not much. How are you doing? I'm doing. All right. So today we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the journey um, from public safety into entrepreneurship and uh, what that looks like. And we brought on a guest today who... Uh, you know, you guys can forgive me later. He's not a, he's not a former cop. Um, but you know what? It's a, it's a brotherhood and a sisterhood nonetheless, uh, within public safety. And there's obviously a lot of carryover and commonality that we have in our transition, uh, going from being in the public safety career field, uh, to becoming an entrepreneur and what that looks like. And so, um, also, why don't you tell us a little bit about who our guest is here today? Uh, well, like you said, not really a cop. He's uh, from the dark side or the light side. Uh, fire tends to be bright rather than dark. Um, doing some really <laughs> cool things. Uh, battling where he focuses his time between his job, uh, some marketing stuff, and a really, really cool thing called Project Fire Buddies. Uh, and before I step in there and water it down or do anything else with there. Uh, Ryan, why don't you go ahead and tell us what Project Fire Buddies is and uh, how it got started, and more importantly, you know, what's your why behind that? Yeah, um, thank you, Adam Austin, for having me on. Um, I appreciate it. Um, even though uh, you guys are cops, it's still uh, it's still okay. Um, <laughs> but like you said, man, it's it's a brother and brotherhood and sisterhood. It's uh, you know we all we're all here to support each other. Um, right. Even though you so, just completely eradicate our evidence all the time, but it's <laughs> <laughs> they make up for it with their chili. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We, I, I offer to bring the, our caps over all the time. We'll cook for them. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, uh, Project Fire Buddies is a charity that we started in our, uh, you know, local fire department. Uh, my guy, uh, my shift mate and buddy, uh, Kurt, started it. Um, and how it started was, or how it started was, he kept going on these calls, uh, for a, for a child that kept running a fever. Um, and was just having a bunch of health issues. And he unfortunately was the person that transported, um, you know, this child a few times and he more or less just felt empty afterwards. Right. Cause a lot of times when we transport people to hospital, you guys end up getting more information than we do somehow. Um, you know, especially depending on the call and, you know, that's just the way it happens. And uh, because of HIPAA hospital can't, you know, release a lot of that information. Um, so he felt empty because he didn't know what was going on. You know, the kid kept getting sick and he just wanted to do more. So 
Um, he started off by just going over to uh, the kid's house, you know, on duty. He talked to the chief. They brought the rigs over, um, just kind of hung out, you know, played a board game, played catch, you know, kicked a soccer ball around, you know, just something to, you know, brighten up the kid's day to, you know, make them and the family forget about, you know, all of the, you know, the shit that they're going through right now. And it just kept building and, and that family talked to another family and then another family and another family all within our uh, community, which isn't large. It's about 20, I think it's 24,000 as far as the population. Um, so it's not a, a huge community. And um, it just started building. And then all of a sudden it got to the point where um, we had a 16 year old and uh, he was a star soccer player at our high school. And he didn't, you know, like going over there and you know, playing a board game or something like that probably isn't the coolest thing for a 16 year old. Well, he was a star soccer player, ended up having his leg amputated because of a, a bone cancer. So we were like, well, Kurt's like, what do we do? You know, we can't just, I mean, what, you know, what are we going to do? Go over and play video games? I mean, yeah, that might be cool to a 16 year old, but we got to think of something more. And then he ended up talking to his wife uh, who figured out or uh, came up with the idea. And she said, why don't you send him to a Chicago fire game, which is the MLS soccer team here. And he's like, great idea. So we reached out, um, went back and forth with the Chicago fire a couple of times and ended up sending him to a, uh, MLS a playoff game in, uh, you know, with the Chicago fire, he got to go out on the field, got to meet players. Um, turns out at the, at that particular time, the goalie was also a pediatric cancer survivor. So oh, wow. it was just a huge, and, and to our knowledge, they still talk. Um, like it was meant to be, yeah. Yeah, like it was meant to be. And, and that's where our program kind of morphed into what it is now. Um, now we still do all the same things. We'll still go and hang out with the kids, play board games, do whatever, uh, you know, for 20, 30 minutes, you know, bring the rigs over, let them, you know, look at the uh, shiny red truck and stuff. And we also now provide gifts. So we come bearing gifts, toys, medical devices that insurance companies may not cover, which surprisingly there is. Um, and we learn more and more about that all the time. And then we also provide once in a lifetime experiences. We've sent kids to the Chicago Blackhawks games, Bulls, White Sox, um, you know, all kinds of different, you know, you know, experiences that maybe these kids are looking for or maybe they want, but they can't necessarily do or the family can't necessarily afford, you know? So, um, that's kind of where it morphed into what it is today. We started with one chapter in our town and now, um, with the three that I have processing right now, onboarding, um, we'll be up to 25 in wow. about a year and a half. And so, is that all kind of centered around the Chicago yeah. area or, okay. Yeah, so it's all Metro Chicago uh, right now. Our, our plan is, our grand plan is to make this thing nationwide. Um, it's very similar to kind of like a Make-A-Wish-esque uh, yeah. uh, type of charity, except we take it a step further and maintain the relationship with the family, you know, for the entirety of their treatment or for the entirety of them wanting to be in the program. You know, so we are with these families realistically every every step of the way as long as you know they want that of course what really amazes me i guess about about this story and about you in particular is that um as as we all understand um just having a career in public safety is a lot to juggle right like that mm -hmm. alone 
is a lot to manage, uh, especially if you have a family, uh, wife and kids, you know, and um, you are not only juggling still being active in your fire career, but you've also taken on this passion project that you are trying to grow. Uh, and you started your own marketing agency as well, right? So mm -hmm. how, how are you juggling all of those different things? It's tough, man. Um, there's no doubt about it. You know, I think for a long time, I struggle. I mean, I still struggle from time to time. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Um, you know, but I think what helps is scheduling. I don't know what I would do without my calendar right here. Um, you know, making sure, you know, you're dedicating time to everything, right? But most importantly, you're still dedicating a lot of time to your family. And my, my wife, my son, um, you know, other family members, friends, you know, it, the list goes on and it's, you know, like I said, it's tough, but, you know, I think blocking out specific time for specific tasks really helps in the long term because then, you know, all right, I'm working on X, Y, and Z for the next half hour to an hour, you know, Hey, Hey, I'm going to report, record this podcast for the next hour. And I, boom, I jump right into the next thing or I take a break, um, you know, I found that meditation helps a lot. Um, you know, I've, I've yeah. gotten into that. I always thought it was this, eh, what, you know, what is meditation? What is this crap? Yeah, I know, and, you know, always made fun <laughs> of it. And now I'm, I'm the one using it all the time because it, it, Same it here. really does help. And, um, you know, those are, those are at least two quick things that, you know, I've found that has really helped me along the way. A, a lot of people really get busy and live and die by the calendar. And, uh, I, I want to take a, quick and i do intend for this to be a quick mm -hmm. little detour away from the, the more you know business focus of the podcast um i've been saying for a while now uh, as far as law enforcement goes that nobody leaves whole and uh yep. i know exactly what i saw in the back of the ambulance i know what i saw um on some of those fire scenes uh, i imagine it's the same thing for you guys so aside from meditation um I mean, arguably, you're piling on even some more stress by actually going through and extending past the make-a-wish thing and being involved with these kids. Um, how are you managing this? Like, what seems to be a healthy outlet for you uh, to bring this in and not be consumed by everything so that your family time doesn't have any bleed over where, you know, hey, dad's here, but he's talking about work again. No, I, I think that's a... Fantastic question. Um, and I do get that from time to time, um, as well as I, I know Kurt gets it from time to time. Um, and it's hard, man. Um, you know, you both know, you know, some of the stuff that we see and it, mm -hmm. it's a lot of it's shitty and a lot of it's, um, you know, some, some images you, you will never forget for the rest of your life. Right. You know, and I, smells. Oh my, yeah. And smells too. <laughs> Um, mm -hmm. and you know, it's same as, you know, same is true for, you know, members of the military and, you know, obviously they're, they see it at a, I, in my opinion, at a much greater level than we, you know, we see it at a, at a public service level, but to, you know, to each their own, but, you know, I, for what's helped me, I think is, you know, obviously the meditations helped, um, you know, I think just talking sometimes. You know, when we, you know, when you come across that, you know, that shitty call that you get back to the firehouse and you're like, you know, what the hell did we just see? 
you know, what the hell did we just do? You know, what, you know, for example, we, matter of fact, same guy and I, you know, were on the ambulance not too long ago together. And, uh, we had a gentleman, uh, commit suicide, uh, basically about eight feet from us. And we were in the house. Um, we were, you know, we saw a firearm in his lap and we turned around to walk out and he did it right there. Um, you know, and just seeing stuff like that, I mean, you know, we go back to the firehouse and, you know, Austin, like you said, we have all of the other stuff on our shoulders too with the charity. And it's just something that I think we talk about. I think we're good at, well, most people are okay about, you know, talking about it. I think there's a stigma in both of our industries that it's still not okay to talk about some of these things. Um, I think it's becoming more mainstream to talk about it, which is a good thing. Um, you know, within your group, I'm not saying you don't got to talk to, you know, your friends that don't understand or anything like that, but, you know, talking to it, you know, with your shift mates, I think really has helped me, um, because they get it, you know, they, they get the, the, the stressors, they get what we see, they get, you know, having to juggle the charity work. Right. And, and a lot of them do, you know, work side businesses as you know, you guys know, um, or maybe they don't own the business, but they have another job. You know, so they understand a lot of it. And I think that's been a good outlet for me. Um, you know, I, I am a man of faith. I do pray. Um, you know, I, you know, I always look for, <laughs> look for answers that way as well. But, uh, you know, I think that's, uh, at least the core of it, you know, as to what helps me. I think the, uh, the concept of the hot wash, essentially, like you said, you know, uh, immediately debriefing the incident. Uh, that that concept cannot be understated. And I actually did some interesting research on the hot wash one time that I want to I want to tell you about because it's interesting. Sure. Um, but first, we need to take a quick mid roll break. So let's go ahead and do that right now. Real quick. Hey, it's break time real quick. Are you interested in being a guest on the Copper Newer Path podcast? Or do you know someone else who would be a good guest on the show? I'm always looking for copperneurs who can share stories of their own copperneurial journey, regardless of how early you are in that journey or how far along you are. I'm also looking for guests who don't necessarily have a law enforcement background, but can offer expert business and marketing advice. So if you would like to suggest a guest or see about being featured yourself on an upcoming episode, please go to cpp.fm forward slash guest and fill out the quick five question form. Again, that's Charles Paul Paul dot Frank Mary forward slash guest and fill out the quick five question form. All right. So right before the break, we were talking a little bit about the hot wash, right? The immediate debrief after an incident uh, together with those that uh, were on scene and unpacking kind of what happened and, and the impact that that could have. So when I, when I was still in law enforcement and I was, I was an administrator and I, I instituted the hot wash in our agency because it was something that wasn't really being done um, prior to my being uh, an administrator there. And I recognized the need for it. And so I started, uh, I actually put it into our, our policy that on a, a major incident, 
it was required that whoever was the scene supervisor would pull everybody together for a hot wash. And as I was really researching the concept of the hot wash, I, I found out some interesting information about it. And uh, I just love the picture that this actually brings to the concept. So what I found out was that, uh, well, if we go back and we think about like, who are the most fierce warriors in history that we can think of? Um, there's a lot of them, but I tend to think of the Spartans, right? The Spartans are like, man, those, those guys were BA, right? Like there was, there was nothing that stopped them from handling business. Uh, you know, there's the story of the 300 that fought off, uh, troops of tens and of thousands uh, of soldiers from, from Persia. And, um, so this, the, the Spartans just kind of stick out as like, they're the ultimate warrior, right? And we think about, well, how, how were they able to do that? How were they able to stay mentally sound and be able to stay in the fight and, and, and stick it out? And part of what I found out was those guys were like the inventors of the hot wash. And so they, they had come up with this concept and what they would actually do. Uh, the Spartans made a habit out of after every battle, they would actually, once the smoke had cleared, so to speak, and the action was over, they would actually stop right on the battlefield where they were. They wouldn't leave. They were right there. They would, they would pitch a campfire. Uh, they would, they would circle around and these warriors that we think of as being really tough men would actually sit around this campfire and weep together, uh, and, and share their experience of what happened in the battle and talk about what they experienced, what they did and what brother they may have lost on the battlefield. And they would weep together and, and actually lean on each other. And I thought, man, that's what a cool picture that is. Cause I think, um, especially as men in public safety, whether it's fire or law enforcement, EMS, like we, we as men think like we have to choke down everything. We have to be tough and we have to have this persona of, oh, that didn't bother me at all. Right. Um, and I've been there. I, I've choked down a lot of different things. Um, we don't realize that being vulnerable is okay. And that that actually helps with our ability to mentally heal. And so, um, I, I just love that you brought that up. I love the idea of of the hot wash because it is important. I, I agree, and I I I didn't know that. That's a phenomenal uh, tidbit of information. You know that I think that uh, illustrating the toughness, you know, of the Spartans in which they were, they were unbelievable warriors, you know, of their time, and to to hear that they did that is is super powerful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you wouldn't. You wouldn't picture Spartan warriors crying on each other's shoulders, right? Not at all. <laughs> but th sometimes that's how healing happens, right? Absolutely. I agree. Uh, I was just going to say, and Adam, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but to the best of my knowledge and recollection, Ryan, I think you are the only nonprofit guest that we have had um, that has been in here. And some of the guys that I talked to um, seem to have this... I don't know if it's just a misconception or what it is, but when you hear nonprofit, they think no profit. And clearly that's not the case. Um, could you kind of bring this back and we'll tie it back into, you know, the business theme and we'll also keep going with the charity theme. Mm -hmm. How do you run a charity successfully uh, so that you can continue to have that outreach and you can continue to go out and make that positive impact 
And are there really any big differences between a for-profit business and a nonprofit charity other than just the title? Great question. Yeah, no, phenomenal questions. Um, and I kind of almost, uh, it almost seemed like you were going in the route of, um, you know, like Adam, I see you have the start with uh, your Y book from Simon Sinek in the background, right? And that's, he, he was a very big proponent of Every guest points that I, out. I love it. I, I think he's a phenomenal speaker. Great he's got book. unbelievable insights on a lot of different things. And um, I love listening to him. But And that's one of the things that he brings up in, in the not-for-profit space is you, you are for profit. You're, you're for impact. Mm-hmm. And that's what his, uh, it was like a little tidbit, three-minute uh, excerpt of one of his talks that I heard um, you know, a while back. And that stuck with me. Because we are, we're for impact. That's the profit that we're, that we're gaining is the impact that we're making. Um, and I think that there are a lot of similarities between running a business and running a not-for-profit because there is that business side of the not-for-profit. You know, there's still organizational stuff you gotta, you gotta hammer out. There's still personnel things that you might have to take care of, right? There's still finances to deal with. I mean, all of that stuff still comes into play. Real, realistically, the difference is, is that you are taking your money and you're, and you're giving it, you're giving it away. You're giving it to people, whether now that could be in the form of cash. It could be in the form of a a Hot Wheels toy. It could be in the form of a a Walt Disney trip, right? You know, so there are, there's a ton of similarities between the two. And, you know, I think that just the big differences is the, is the um, aspect of, of giving it all away. I mean, right now we're a hundred percent volunteer. Um, and that may change. Um, there's not a lot of non-for-profits out there, um, on a large scale that are nationwide that don't employ anybody. Um, but the important thing to do though, is when you do have employees, you're still committed to giving as much as humanly possible back to the program. I mean, there's always going to be expenses, expenses, postage, Whatever it may be, you're you're still going to have to spend money on operational costs. But if you can if you can take that 98 percent of the rest of your money and make sure it goes back to the program, that's that's the impact that I want to make. That's the impact that Kurt wants to make. That's the impact that we as as an entire organization want to be um, where we want to be at once we do make that leap into um, you know hiring personnel. But uh, to your to your point, Austin, it's it's uh, there's a lot of a lot of similarities, and I think just that big differences is where that money's going. Yeah, I think a big part of what it boils down to is uh, in a not for profit, like you said, the the mo- the money is going back into the purpose rather than trying to create a monetary gain for the stakeholders in the organization. Yeah, I agree. Cool. Thank you for the input. I appreciate that. And I'm sure that at least I hope that there were a couple of people out there that that was helpful for as they sit around and chew on some things. And that really, it's not an either or kind of option. Clearly, you're doing both. You've got a marketing agency and you're doing this and you're still, you know, yeah. I mean, there's no reason that you can't do it. Uh, I just know that there have been a few people that I've talked to that have kind of been hung up on that. And I, wanted to take the chance from somebody who's currently doing both and just get some inside 
kind of insight and just clarify that. Yeah, it's, you know, like I said, man, it, it it's tough, but it's doable. And, you know, why it comes back to the why. Why why do you want to do that? Why do you want to start a business? Why do you want to start a not-for-profit? Why do you want to run a not-for-profit? Um, you know, one of the things at at Height that we, which is the marketing agency, uh, that we do when we first start is we come up with a commitment. And we, I encourage other people to do that. Other people that I talk to that have nothing to do with marketing, just in general, right? You know, it, because it gives you purpose. And my commitment was, I am the commitment to a, a life of servitude and making a positive impact. And I try to live my life that way in, in all aspects, whether it's, you know, helping a friend out with something, whether it's the marketing agency, whether it's, uh, you know, the not-for-profit or obviously the, the fire service. Um, and it's important for someone to define their why. Otherwise, you know, why exactly? Why are you, why are you doing what you're doing? Why take on all that work? Cause if it's not going to serve a purpose, then, you know, what are you doing? I can't agree more. Well, Ryan, it's been awesome having you on the show. Why don't you take the last few minutes here and give us kind of, uh, give us a closing thought and then let everybody know if they're if they're interested in in checking out Project Fire Buddies or supporting you guys, how can they do that? Sure. Um, no, I appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, it's it, it was a pleasure. Um, I think that as far as closing thoughts, I mean you you can do it. I I can't stress that enough. As long as you're disciplined, as long as you take care of yourself too, right? Mentally, physically. Um, you know, that you can do it. You can venture into entrepreneurship. You can venture into the not-for-profit world as a, as a first responder, whether you're law enforcement, fire, uh, EMS dispatcher, whatever you are, um, you can make that jump. I mean, us three are, are living proof of that right here, you know, and, and as are most of your guests and, um, you know, a lot, a lot of people I know. So, um, just wanted to say that it is possible, um, and as far as Project Fire Buddies, uh, we're on social media, Facebook um, and Instagram. Uh, we have a Twitter. We don't really use it too often. But, uh, you know, so Facebook and Instagram are the primaries. And then we also have a website, which is projectfirebuddies.org. And uh, you can follow us uh, on any of those mediums and, you know, see what we're up to. And if you need to contact us for anything, um, you know, in the future, whether it's you know, donating, whether it's, you know, you want to start a chapter, um, you know, if you're in the fire service and, uh, you know, we'll be happy to have a conversation with you. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming on and, uh, sorry for all the, the firefighter jabs and jokes. Uh, well, I'm not, I'm not completely sorry. It's in good fun, but, um, <laughs> absolutely. All right, man. Well, thanks for coming on the show and everybody else that's listening. We'll catch you guys on the next episode. Hey, thanks for sticking around till the end of the show. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a review at leotoceo.com forward slash podcast dash review or in your preferred podcast listening app. I would love to hear your feedback and it will also help other copreneurs like yourself find the show. Be sure to check out the show notes for this episode. Just go to leo2ceo.com, click on podcast and search this episode number, and you'll find all the links, descriptions, and resources we talked about. 
And if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe so you'll be notified when the next episode is live. Thanks again for tuning in and I'll catch you guys on the next episode.